0: If you have your Bibles this morning, one open to Luke chapter 1. We're going to look there today. There was a psychologist that said he found the perfect formula for getting through the holidays. He said, you just put your mind in neutral and go where you're shoved. <laughs> of course, he was kidding around. But we know what he's talking about, right? I mean, this Christmas rush, this hectic pace, the heavy traffic, the long lines, the Sprayed nerves, the bills, the deadlines, the pressures. All that combines to cause some people just to give up and give in. Just stonewall through the season. They just want to put their minds in neutral and go wherever they're shoved. But please don't let that happen to you. Don't just endure the season. Enjoy it. Relish it. Savor it. Celebrate it. Learn from it. And share the joy of Christmas with others, Because listen to what Christmas is saying. It has so much to teach us. I mean, think about Mary and Isaiah, for example. There's so much we can learn from them. Isaiah, he lived in tough times. His people, Israel, were under attack. They had gotten away from God. So far that Isaiah knew they needed a Savior. That, that was their only hope now. And he also knew that they needed a prophet to call them back to faith, to give them hope. He saw the need, he heard the call from God, and here's his response. Here am I, Lord. Send me. He is a symbol for faith and hope. But you know, we see it even more dramatically in Mary. Mary had so much to teach us about real faith, about real hope. I mean we see her so beautifully portrayed in Christmas pageants right on Christmas cards and nativity scenes and she looks so serene and so lovely and the whole matter appears simple easy but think realistically about that for a moment consider realistically what Mary had to go through it had to have been incredibly difficult I mean the whisperings behind her back the the pointing fingers the false accusations the raised eyebrows the questions, the gossip, the criticism, the family pressure, the crude jokes, the, the cruel laughter, then the poverty, the heavy taxes, not to mention this long, hard journey mandated at a time when an expectant mother shouldn't have to travel anywhere except the nearest hospital. And then tack on the birth in a stable. No doctors, no midwife, no medicine, no anesthetic, nothing but faith faith and hope in God. Just a teenage girl from a poor family living in an obscure village in a tiny nation which itself was under subjection to a despised foreign power. And then one day out of the blue, an angel comes to her. And he has a message from the Lord. Look at it with me. Luke 1, starting with verse 26. And give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. All this was going to happen without her ever having been with a man. And be honest, would you believe that? But the remarkable thing is that Mary did. I mean, that's real faith, real hope, isn't it? Willing to hear God's Word, to obey His will, to entrust the future into His hands, even though it was going to put her in an awkward, difficult, complicated situation. I mean, how would she explain this? How would she communicate this to her parents? I mean, why didn't the angel appear when the parents were there? That would have helped. How would she tell Joseph I mean, they were legally engaged. They hadn't consummated the marriage, but they were considered good as married. And in those days, when you became formally engaged like they were, the only way to be separated was divorce. How could she tell Joseph? How is he going to handle it? What would the neighbors say? Yeah, it was a tough situation for Mary. And under similar circumstances, I think most of us would have asked the Lord to find somebody else to do that job. But not Mary. No, her answer to the angel, it was a model of faith and real hope. Like Isaiah before her who said, here am I, Lord, send me. Mary's response, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I mean, here in Mary and Isaiah, we see these powerful portraits that Christian hope painted with three bold strokes. Here they are. First, Mary and Isaiah were persons of great hope because they heard God's voice. They were tuned into God. They were listening with the ears of faith, and they were able to hear God's message and respond. I'm convinced that God is speaking loud and clear today. But sadly, so few people are tuned in to hear Him. So many of us are getting caught up in the hectic pace of living. We stop listening. We get so inundated by words and voices and talks and appeals in our noisy world that we pull back into our heart shell and we stonewall our way through life. We just throw in the towel, retreat from the struggle, give in to the sin of a closed mind. I mean, We don't want our thought world disturbed by these new ideas, so we Tune out. Right? We have ears, but we won't listen. We won't hear. In 1870, Methodists in Indiana held their annual conference on the campus of this local college. And the president of the college addressed the assembled Methodists. He said, I think we're living in an exciting age. I think we're going to see things happen in our lifetime that right now are just Unbelievable. Well, the presiding bishop was intrigued by these remarks and he said, what do you see? What specifically are you talking about? What kind of new things do you mean? The president of the college said, well, all kinds of things, bishop. I believe we're coming into a time of great invention. This is the year 1870 and I believe, for example, one day soon we will be able to fly through the air like birds. The bishop said, what? You believe one day we will be able to fly? Yes, I do, said the president. And the bishop expounded, why, that's heresy. Plain heresy. The Bible says flight is reserved for the angels and the angels alone. Enough of this drivel. Well, have more, no more talk of that here. Flying. What ridiculous idea. And you know what happened when the conference ended? That same bishop, whose last name was Wright, went home to his wife and his two small sons whose names happened to be Wilbur and Orville. And the rest is history. You see, the bishop had tuned out. He wasn't listening. Now overlap that with this. Some years ago, there was a family gathering in Memphis at Christmas. Family reunion. And about a month before Christmas, uh, one woman, Susie, gave birth to her third child, a beautiful girl named Julie. Most of the family were seeing Julie for the first time, so there was a lot of excitement about this new addition to the family. Well, evening time came and they put the bassinet in the back room of the house and put the baby to bed. All the traveling and excitement tired her out immediately. And then they had their Christmas dinner and exchanged gifts. Then people got involved in various activities. Some were talking and visiting, others playing games, some singing carols, some watching the football game. There was a lot of noise and happy Christmas confusion. In the midst of it all, Susie quietly slipped out of the room. You know where she went? She was going to check on the baby. She heard the baby cry. I mean, that's crazy. In all of that commotion, no one else heard the baby, but but she did. You know why, right? Because she was tuned in to hear the baby. She was listening. For him. Her ears were trained to hear that baby's cry. See, Mary was tuned in to hear God's voice. Listen. One of the great questions of Christmas is this: can you hear the baby? Are you tuned in to hear God? I mean, above all the chaos and the craziness and everything that happens during this season. really during every day of life. Can you hear God? Is that the number one priority for you? Or have you closed your mind and shut the voice of God out? See, Mary's hope, Isaiah's hope, they were great because they heard God's voice. They were also persons of great hope because then they obeyed God's will. In the original New Testament Greek, the word here for faith is pistis. And it literally means believing obedience. Believing in God so much that we commit ourselves, body, mind, and soul, to doing His will, come what may. Serving Him no matter what. There was a Peanuts cartoon and Linus was the statistician for Charlie Brown's baseball team. And he brings him the final report at the end of the season. And he said, I've compiled the statistics for our baseball team this season. And he says, in 12 games, we almost scored a run. In nine games, the other team almost didn't score a run before the first out. In right field, Lucy almost caught three balls. And once, almost made the right play. Linus said, Charlie Brown, we lead the league And almost. (laughs) See, sadly, I think that's the way many people are in regarding to obeying God's will. They lead the league in almost. They almost obey God's will, but not quite. They almost serve Him, but not really. Years ago, David Livingston was a missionary in Africa, and he sent an appeal to England for more workers to come and help him. And an answer came back and said, we would like to send more workers, but first we must ask, is there a good road to the outpost? So David Livingston sent back these words. If you are offering to send workers who will come only if the road is easy, I can't use them. Tell them to stay home. See, Mary's hope, Isaiah's hope. It wasn't tentative. It wasn't conditional. No, in both cases, it was total, complete obedience to God, no matter how road, how rough the road may be. Right? Here I am, Lord. Send me. May it be to me as you have said. Th- those are responses that are not tentative. They're not conditional. Just complete, total obedience to God. Mary's hope, Isaiah's hope, were great because they heard God's voice. They obeyed God's will. And finally, Mary and Isaiah were persons of great hope because they trusted God's power. I mean, each of them took it one step at a time. One day at a time. They trusted God for the future. Many years ago, there was a captain of a Mississippi River boat. He'd been on the job for 35 years. One day, a passenger said to him, after all these years of navigating this river, I guess you know by now where all the rocks and sandbars are. He said, no, but I do know where the deep water is. That's what Mary was saying in effect, isn't it? I know where the deep water is. I know there are some rocky places out there, but I trust God to bring me... Through this, I trust God to help me. Terry Anderson had been released. He'd been held hostage for six and a half years in a foreign land. He was serving as chief Middle East correspondent for the Associated Press when he was kidnapped in Beirut, March 16, 1985. Held captive till his release in December 4, 1991. It was an incredibly difficult ordeal, but he came through it with such amazing strength. And since his release, he had been interviewed a number of times, and his answers to these responses are inspirational. Well, let me share with you three. First, he was asked, what enabled him to survive this awful experience? And he answered without hesitation, my faith, my companions, and my stubbornness, (laughs) which is another way of saying I trust in God. Another reporter asked, Terry, you've said you don't hate your captors. Can you help us understand that? He said, well, it's simple. I'm a Christian, and the Scripture teaches us to forgive, so I don't hate anybody. And third, someone asked him, Terry, did you ever lose hope? He said, that's a hard question. Of course, I had blue moments and moments of despair, but fortunately, right after being held hostage, one of the first things that fell in my hands was a Bible for the last six and a half years as captive, I spent a lot of time reading that Bible. And it helped me so much. Because that book is about hope. It's about trust in God. And that's what gave me the strength to make it through each day. He said, you know, you do what you have to do. And faith helps you do what you have to do. I spent a lot of time with the Bible and it reminded me to do the best I can do each day and then just trust God for the future. I mean, that's Christian hope, isn't it? I do the best I can do each day and then trust God for the future. That's the kind of hope Isaiah had. That's the kind of hope Mary had. And that's the kind of hope we need. Christian hope that enables us to hear God's voice. To obey God's will. To trust God's power. As we close, is that the hope that you need? Because that hope only comes through surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. So if that's what you need, come. Come by the church and talk to me. Give me a call. Text me. Let me share with you the hope that only comes Through Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank You for this season. As we remember, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, Lord, we have hope. So Lord, help us to listen for You. Above all the chaos in this world around us. Give us the courage to obey You when everyone else says no. Help us to trust You. Because you never fail. Lord, give us your hope. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.